and, and checks the boxes. And if he doesn't agree with it, even if it's against the grain as what he did was, he sticks to what he believes and, and everything is rooted through Christ. So with, with someone being that young and being able to stand up and believe, stand up for what he believes, and like I said, being his own man, it's, it's incredibly courageous um, in that respect. Opulent Inventory, our proud partners here on the show. Now you can finally have the Apple product times the Apple guys. That's right, from AirPods to iPhones to MacBooks to Apple Watches to trade-ins and much more. Now you can have the Apple product of your dreams. Promo code podcast gets you 20% off. That's right, 20% off on any Apple item. Visit Opulent Inventory, Nash and Guardi, those are great guys on all social media platforms, and on Instagram. Now, let's head back to the show. It's the best time of the year. Fall is in the air. We got sports back. Obviously, there's no football, but the NBA playoffs is swinging. We are back here inside the studios at WNSC with your host, Subby, and my ride partner, Michael Gray, from the DMV area. What's happening, man? Nothing much, man. Peace and love. All is well. How about you, man? How's, how's everything going? Uh, we're doing good. We're doing good over here as well, man. Love is in the air. We've got <laughs> we've got a playoffs going on right now. It's 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 the best time of the year. Oh yeah, it definitely is, man. You know, NBA basketball, NBA playoff basketball always always brings out the best, you know, viewership in sports. So, you know, I'm I'm, I'm definitely looking looking forward to seeing how this plays out. After a five-month layoff, we've been thirsting for sports, Mike. I mean, we're talking know, like people over here is just bored out of their minds trying to figure out what to do. And now it's it's good to see we've got NHL playoffs going on, the NBA playoffs going on right now. It's, it's, it's the best time to be a sports fan as consumers. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, something that was interesting to me this week, <laughs> I, I don't know if you saw the uh, the new – you might have heard it, the new Drizzy song. Uh, shout out to Drake. Crap. Uh, uh, Laugh now and, and cry later. Yeah, I heard it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very catchy. Very good song too. They they say Drake don't miss and they ain't lying about that either. But uh um I, I finally got the video today. And oh, yeah. I, I watched the video today and I saw Odell was in it. I, I heard there was a couple athletes on there, so I checked I tuned in, you know, checked out, you know, Drizzy trying to play basketball, the uh <laughs> uncoordinated guy that he is, of course. Um, and then, and then we saw Od- likes of Odell Beckham in the video, and then you saw guys like Marshawn Lynch and stuff like that. And it got me thinking, you know what I'm saying? The era that we're in right now, the entertainment industry is at an all-time high. You've got athletes and celebrities always looking to, you know, perfect their craft and be intuitive and, and 
kind of do things together, being able to kind of blend in their own brands together. And it got me thinking, Odell and Drake, why didn't I think of that? You know what I'm saying? Two paparazzis, uh, two drama guys. Well, you know, being the Odell, of course, you bet you know so well and you know your New York football giants. But um, it just got me thinking, you know, like it, it's a genius move to see, you know, athletes in, in, in the industry too. You know, whether you're in the music game as an artist to kind of put their brands together and, and have this collaborative uh, blend is it, it, pretty unique. Now, Odell trying to, um, I mean, Drake trying to catch Odell, <laughs> do the one-handed catch like Odell. I don't know what he was trying to do with that, but <laughs> it was just, it was a great thing, Mike, just seeing how the entertainment has vastly progressed from what we know from the 80s, the 90s to, you know, you talk about uh, Showtime and Deion Sanders putting on a show pre-game, post-game to, you know, now you see celebrities day and night always coming into sports games, always coming into courtside seats to being able to be in press boxes and NFL games. It's it's a unique thing to see, Mike. Yeah, it definitely is unique. And, uh, we, you know, when you think about the fact that, you know, when you reach the professional level of whatever it is, you know, in, in your in your career path and you 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 come come amongst your peers and pe- people that have, you know, reached the, the, the professional level of other entities as well, you gain a you, you gain a new level of respect for each other because you understand, you know, how many hours you had to log in to master and perfect your craft and understand, you know, what it took to get to this point. And um, you know, yeah, like you said, seeing them collab with each other and seeing seeing how you know, music, how, how how far music, especially hip-hop and sports, intertwine with each other over the years, especially since the 90s, it's, it's been special, man. Yeah, it's definitely been special for sure. Something to behold and something to really, I hope they continue to doing that uh, for sure. You got Gucci, a huge fan of the Boston Celtics and Jalen Brown, where he came from Atlanta. You've got, obviously, McMill, a brand ambassador for the Sixers and, or uh, wearing an uh, MB jersey. It's, it's special to watch how these these are artists in the game, wh- whether it be pop culture or whether it be jazz or whatever industry or genre music that it in, continue to uh, uh, be ambassadors for the NBA or any other sport, for that fact of the matter, is uh, special to watch. Um, with that being said, let's get right into it, Mike. Last week we spoke to uh, GG Talk Sports in regards to the first round. Well, the first round of the playoffs is kicked in. And we haven't made our picks, Mike, so we're going to go round by round and bracket by bracket and dissect these matchups here. So we'll start off with the Milwaukee Bucks against the Orlando Magics. Uh, We won't talk about Orlando Magics too much, but um, what they did in game one was Vucevic has a decisive matchup advantage against the bigs of the Milwaukee Bucks. And we saw them expose them in game one, Mike. Um, We don't intend that the magic will win the series but they're making it very very difficult for the milwaukee bucks i said this would be a five game series i'm gonna stick to that i know orlando won game one but i think the bucks i think they've got the orlando magic's attention and i I think that they'll be ready for 
uh, the next coming game in the series. The, the, they'll absolutely be ready for the next coming game in the series. Sometimes when you're the top team going against the eighth seed, you need that wake-up call. And sometimes you, you might come in a little flabbergasted, a little like a day ago, like, not focused and not as locked in as you would have been had you going against a tougher, a tougher competition to start off the playoffs. And that's exactly what happened to the Milwaukee Bucks in game one. The Orlando Magic are not the average eighth seed. They're not the team. They're not a team that you need to be taken lightly. You know, even though they're the eighth seed, this is a team that, you know, competitively is, you know, competes at a high level against some of the top teams in the league on a consistent basis. And it's been like that for the last couple of years. You know, you saw, you saw uh, Vucevic uh, dominate, you know, with 30 points and, you know, him and DJ, DJ Augustine and, and Vucevic in the pick and roll was just absolutely dominant in this game and how they were able to be create. You know, you know what you're going to get from Terrence Ross coming off the bench. But yeah, Orlando Magic is a special team, but at the same time, I definitely see the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, they've they woken up. They've got their attention. They, they understand the moment, and um, they, they're going to lock in, and they know as they need to get as much rest as possible and get this series over in a hurry so they can get ready for the second round and the, the tougher opponents that are yet to come. And I see them closing this out in four straight games uh, to, to finish a five-game series. I agree with you there as well. Um, Terrence Roth, huge off the bench for the Orlando Magics, and also Gary Clark, who pitched in 16 in that game one. We'll see if they continue that trend in game two. We go to the two and seven seeds. We got the Raptors taking on the uh, Nets, and that was a game that actually uh, took place last Monday and today with the Raptors up 2-0. And um, I figured that this would go five games as well, Mike. I, I think the Nets have been have shown in the bubble that they are gritty. They're a feisty team, even without their leaders in Durant, uh, DeAndre Jordan, and also Kyrie Irving. They've shown under Jacques Vaughn, who's and looking for a head coaching vacancy in Brooklyn, that they can be very competitive. He can coach his team. Uh, obviously, we know how good he is as a defensive orchestrator. I think this game will go five games. There will be a game where I, I believe that Karis LeVert can get hot. But as it stands right now, it's 2 hold to the Raptors. And um, we'll see where they can move on from there. To, today, In today's game and game two, they just weren't able to sustain a consistent offense because – they had they had this game in my opinion. This was one of the best opportunities they had to win a game. Sevi uh, uh, coming off the first game where defensively they were a no show. They played much better through three quarters defensively, and the fourth quarter the Toronto Raptors just uh, just uh, dominated offensively and made the buckets to keep in the key moments when they had to the most. And uh, you know Brooklyn was just struggling to find offense down the stretch of this game. And you know you know but, the, but like you said, Jacques Vaughn has this team playing very great. When they move the ball and they and, and have good ball movement and good man movement, this team is actually very special and can surprise some teams. But at the same time, this Toronto Raptors team is too deep. They're too experienced. They understand any time, you know, some adversity comes their way, they know how to handle it. And I, I see this going to five-game series as well. Potentially could have won six if the Brooklyn would have won today's game. But I definitely see it going five because they play too tough to just lay down that easy. Right, right, right. Next matchup that we have here is my beloved Green Monsters, of course, the Boston Celtics, obviously the three seed in the Eastern Conference. They're going against a depleted uh, Sixers team. We saw in game one, Mike, obviously, you know, Joel Embiid is going to be a problem, especially for the undersized Celtics. But uh, one thing I fear, this is a pretty much a rivalry when you talk about Celtics and Sixers, especially when it comes to the postseason between these two teams um now the gordon hayward problem makes an issue <laughs> uh mike i said boston in five um now without gordon hayward maybe it goes to six 
but I'm going to stand by that. I just think Joel Embiid by himself can't beat this roster. Um, Boston has numerous guys that they can go to um, in, in crucial moments, especially late. And in the fourth quarter when Brad Stevens has, I think, a decisive coaching advantage as well over Brett Brown. So I think this will be a short series. The Gordon Hayward may push this to six games, but um, I'm stick with Boston in five or six. Seb, I'm going to disagree with you. I still pick Boston to win this series, but I think it's potentially go six games. And if, and, and if, if Philly um, can knock down some shots, I see it potentially going seven games. But six games for sure is, is my luck because this Philly team, throw out the regular season records, throw out what you saw the lack of days ago, inconsistency that you saw from Philadelphia uh, on the at home compared to on the road. This roster is a a competitive, gritty roster that you need that, that I would go into a playoff series with against against many teams, even without Ben Simmons, because you have a Joel Embiid and an Al Horford inside in the paint. You have a Josh Richardson, a Matisse Thibault on the outside that are very good perimeter defenders. And you have a Shake Milton who's coming into his own along with, you know, just, just other, other little snipers. The, the only problem that I have with Philly is that their lack of offense consistently outside of uh, getting big with Joel Embiid. But I, but this Philly team is very scrappy, and the lack of Gordon Hayward is going to hurt the Boston Celtics a little bit. I still have them winning this series in six, but Philly is going to be very competitive and make it uh, tough for them, and and definitely show why defensively they're they're a, a much better team than people are giving them credit for. Gosh, the kid can't catch a break, Mike. Man, I had this six, obviously uh, being able to potentially get deep in the postseason, um, but this this one hurts uh, for sure. Last that we have here, Mike, I've got the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, excuse me, I've got the Miami Heat uh, going on the Indiana Pacers. This is a very fun one. I, I thought this is a matchup. I had a lock for six games, Mike. Um, uh, but from what I've seen in game one and with the injury right now to uh, Oladipo, maybe, uh, you know, Miami takes control of that series earlier than normal. But um yeah, I'm going to stick with, with the projection. I'm going to take Miami in six. I think Dave McMillan is as advertised as a coach. Um, you know, I don't know why they gave him a one-year extension. But um, one thing about Indiana, you can never count out their spirit, their heart. They they play hard. They play feisty. They've got some unknown guys that you don't know about. But they, they will play, and they will play hard. And that's where I think they'll probably get two games. But I've got Miami in six. I just think the ability of Jimmy Butler to close games out late and bam out of bio. I don't think anybody's been more improved than him this year. And he's my vote for M- MIP this year. Yeah, I, I see a gentleman sweeping this one as well. Without Victor Oladipo, Indiana, like Indiana, you know, already lacks offensive uh, firepower. And, you know, but we know how, how tough defensively they can be. We know what a job McMillan has done. But Miami is just a well-oiled machine right now, fully loaded. And not only the, with the leadership of Jimmy Butler, they have a leader on their bench that doesn't get much playing, playing minutes, but he has timely he, – he gets timely playoff minutes, and he's a veteran and a former finals MVP in Andre Iguodala, who as a leader on this team is, is um, a very underrated part of, why, of this well-oiled group in Miami. Andre Iguodala, we know, has been there before with the Golden State Warriors, you know, but what he brings for – what he does for Tyler Harrow, for Duncan Robinson, the, 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 the pointers and the mentorship that he can give them – these guys while they're on the court, the Jay Crowders of the world. This this is a deep team, a Kelly Olenek who stretched his game. And he's, he's it's not even a question. You can't leave him open for three anymore. He's a three-point sniper at this point, you know, with, with what he can do. So this Miami team is like a well-oiled machine right now. 
And with with the injuries, like you said, to Indiana, it's hard for me to pick um, and not, not say Miami's going to win this series. They just look poised and ready to go. Yep, I agree with yours as well. We shift coast to coast. We'll go to the Western Conference now. Start off with the Lakers and the Blazers. And, Mike, we talked about a little bit about this last week, and um, I don't think anybody in the planet Earth right now is harder than Damian Lillard. Um, there's a poll out there right now. I, I think he's kind of changed the perspective of who's the best point guard in the NBA. Is it Kyrie Irving? Is it still Stephen Curry as it stands? But Damian Lillard is in that discussion, and currently – Obviously, it's got to be a top 10 player in the game right now. And what the Blazers did last night, Mike, is um, something that I already knew. I knew going into that game where, and that's serious, as a matter of fact, is they, they can't expose the, the Lakers, uh, 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 you know, Achilles here. I, I knew that they had a problem guarding perimeter defenders. They didn't have A.V. Bradley. This is a series they're going to miss him and the defensive prowess of Rajon Rondo. And I thought to myself that inside where obviously the Lakers can bang inside with AD and McGee and Dwight Howard, but you got Nurkic and you got Whiteside, who was a huge X factor in game one, blocking five shots. And also the lack of Zach Collins, who wasn't playing there. But originally I had this in six games, Mike, but in order for the Lakers to win, I think this has to go the distance. I'm going to say the Lakers still withstand this and win in seven but, man, they are going to be tested because McCullum and Dame, I don't think they have an answer for them. You can't put Caruso or KCP on them. I think that they need to start J.R. Smith and more minutes for Deion Waiters and let Kuzma split those minutes. But I've got the Lakers in seven. LeBron James hasn't lost a first-round matchup in his whole career, and I don't suspect that to uh, end here. So I'll take the Lakers in seven. I'll, I'll take the Lakers in seven as well, but I'm telling you right now, this might be the toughest AFC going against a one seed that we've seen in a very long time. And and to be I would to be honest with you, it would not shock me one bit if Portland was to come out of this series victorious. And I'm gonna tell you why. This game one, the game one that I saw, wasn't a surprise to me because the Lakers haven't played a meaningful game since March. These eight games right. that they played in the bubble, you know, it was a couple games they had to lock up the number one seed. But after the number one seed was wrapped up, they, they, it was just you know. Coast to coast, getting ready for the playoffs, getting your legs under you. The Portland Trailblazers have played meaningful playoff games pretty much ever, ever since they came down to Orlando. And they've been in constant attack mode, and that assertiveness has been right there. So when they came into this game right here, it was like it was like another day in the office because they, they're already in playoff mode. They're already mentally locked in. They're already ready for this moment. And they came out the gates early in the fourth quarter, lost the lead throughout the game, and then in the fourth quarter they came back. One of the things that I've noticed through about this Portland team throughout their run is that they are one of the worst third-quarter teams in the league, and they they pretty much carry that, and they, they make up for it in the fourth quarter with dominance from their star players, and that's exactly what you saw once again against the Lakers. They they relinquished the lead and in the third quarter, and then when the fourth quarter came up, when it was when it was tight for them, they came back. But at the same time, it's hard to pick against LeBron James and Anthony Davis against this team because – you, you have to anticipate they will make adjustments. You have to anticipate that they will play much better than they played today. But I will tell you this, the Portland Trailblazers didn't even play their best game. Offensively, this is the this is one of the first wins they had all season where they only scored 100 points. This this Portland team can play better offensively, and they played much better defensively in seven. you got to remember, they always have bigs on the floor. Whether you have Nurkic or you have Hassan Whiteside, that's a scary combination. And with Anthony Davis, you know, his he can dominate, but his game is more finesse. 
So it's it's gonna be tough. We're gonna have to see Anthony Davis actually dominate this series in order for him. He has to bring all all punches out to the table. But I still have the Lakers winning this in seven. And you have to think of that you know the Lakers in it. LeBron James and Anthony Davis are gonna have to figure it out. Oh yeah. I think when they figure it out, it's probably gonna go to distance. Um, but I'm I'm over here. Uh, being an advocate for more minutes for J.R. Smith and Deion Waiters. These guys, you didn't pick them up just to be ornaments and sitting out there in the bench. Right. I think this, these are two guys where you have J.R. Smith, a proven uh, a commodity that LeBron James trusts. He's been in meaningful playoff games, been in the finals for two, three years in a row with the Cleveland Cavaliers, has made big shots, was a huge and integral part of the reason why the Cavs won in 2016. Mm -hmm. And I think he's also a guy defensively with a bigger body that you can put on a game or or put on a, a CJ McCollum. You're not going to, you know, obviously stop these guys, but can you slow them down? I, I prefer uh, the defensive ability of a J.R. Smith over Caruso or KCP that are smaller defensive guards where CJ and Dame can um, have their own against them. So I, I, I'm over here pledging for more minutes for uh, J.R. and also Dion Waiters as well. Um, who's pretty pesky in his own right as a defensive guy. But I do intend that the Lakers will get it done in seven. But you're right. LeBron can't be passive in this series. Oh, no. AD's got to dominate like the guy that they traded for. And so it's going to be interesting, too, for sure. Um, we've got the second-seeded Clippers mm -hmm. uh, who play on tap tonight, Mike, going on against the Mavs. Now, this is an interesting matchup, Mike, because you've got the top-rated offense in the league, Luka Doncic, we know what a spectacular and sensational talent he is going up against arguably the deepest roster and maybe one of the favorites to win it all in the Clippers. Originally, Mike, I had this series going five. I just thought that, you know, Lucas first postseason run, um, I thought that the ability of what the Clippers can do would bother him. They've got baddies to throw at him. You can throw uh, a legit 6'8 at PG at him. You can throw a legit uh, Kawhi Leonard at 6'7" with long arms at him. You can throw a Patrick Beverly at 6'1", but pesky and being able to slide his feet at him. So they had bodies to throw at him. Morris, Clippers in six, and I think that they'll get it done. Yeah, I see the, I see the Clippers getting it done as well in five or six games. I, I'm going to – I lean towards five based off the fact that, you know, Dallas had a great opportunity to get a win in game one, and, and they squandered that opportunity. So I'm going to lean towards this, uh, still five. With the with the Clippers winning, you know, I, I think the end between the series, the actual outcome of the series is not going to tell how good it's going to be because the end games are going to be competitive. I see Dallas pushing this team to the brink, but we but we saw throughout the regular season and we saw throughout the bubble, Sebi, this Dallas team has trouble closing out games in the fourth quarter. They they know how to win. They know how to you know look like a well cohesive unit through three quarters, but in the fourth quarter, something the palms get sweaty and they get tight. And shots don't fall on a consistent level as they did through the first three. And against the Clippers, a well-oiled machine that didn't even play their best game in game one, um, you got to anticipate that they'll play much better. And you just showed that the, the depth of this team, anybody can go off. You know, you had Marcus Marcus Morris with 19 points. Um, you know, just, just is any anybody outside of Kawhi and Paul George can give them a boost off the bench whether or, or in the starting lineup. And I, I expect that well-oiled machine to – handle this in five games, potentially six, depending on what um how well Dallas plays. And this is not and this is not a knock to Dallas. Not at Dallas all. can make it definitely they can definitely make it interesting. But you're talking about a team, Mike, where 
I, I just don't believe that the Mavericks have the ability to stop anybody. They're great offensively, but defensively, in order to push just to seven games, you're going to have to be able to get stops. And so if you can't do that, uh, look, it's going to be a, sh- a short series um, because oh, yeah. the Clippers can not only score, but they can <laughs> defend as well. Um, so they got a lot of people to throw at you. So I like that series. I- I'm going six. It may not be more, but uh, um, I like that there for you as well. So now we've got the third seeded um, Denver Nuggets, who want to look to make amends from last year, going up against the six seeded Utah Jazz. And Mike, um, after what I've seen oh, today, yeah. I think this series is going seven. Donovan Mitchell, Spider Mitch, look, man, like, come on. <laughs> Mike, he's been going retarded. Um, Donovan Mitchell right now, look, outside of a guy you probably know well, Michael Jordan, youngest cat to score 50 in a playoff game at his age. Can you believe that? Think of all the greats that have played in the playoffs, but Spider Mitch is right behind the great Michael Jordan in that category. And Utah, we know how great they are defensively, but when they're making perimeter shots, they're almost hard to, to beat. And I, I think that, you know, Gobert is a guy that can slow down Jokic. He may not be able to contain him, but he can slow them down. Jamal Murray, they're going to need her. He, he needed re- heroics from him to win that game one. So, look, I think this is going to distance. I still have the Denver Nuggets in seven, but I'm going to go and say that that's going to go to distance from what I've seen. And it wouldn't surprise me, Mike, that if the Jazz went in seven either. Uh, but I think that matchup is a coin flip. But I'm going to go with the Denver Nuggets, the deeper team. I, I still think the Jazz are a little bit shorthanded. And um, they're going to miss the guys like Conley and, and Bogdanovich, especially their, their scoring. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm, gonna go I'm with actually going to go with the Jazz in seven. The Jazz uh, showed me a lot in these last two games. You know, Donovan Mitchell going off 57. You just saw it in the second half of that game when things got tight and it was a dogfight back and forth. He, he had the ball in his hands and he wanted to take over and be the one to close out the game for him. Unfortunately, they lost in overtime. But you saw that killer will and that willingness to take over a game from Donovan Mitchell. And he's shown that over the last couple of years as he's grown and matured as a player, that he's willing to be that guy to take over a game if need be, if the offense is being stagnant. So Donovan Mitchell and this Utah Jazz team showed me a lot today in this game, not only offensively, but defensively. You know, they did a great job. Rudy Gobert is a, is a force in the paint. We all know that. But you had guys offense. They had 104 points every three quarters. Offensively, if they're making shots like this, along with what they bring to the table defensively, like you said, they're a tough team to beat, not just for Denver, but for many many teams in the Western Conference because, because, of, because of having that force in the paint. Yeah. They don't. And, then, and they, Utah doesn't shoot threes, Mike. But they're very <laughs> They're very stupid. They know how to pick their spots, and Today was one of those days where right. Donovan Mitchell didn't right. have to put up 57 because he got the uh, the much-needed help from, from the others. And uh, I, I, I didn't expect this dominant victory from the from uh, the Utah Jazz, but at the same time, you should, that shows you how desperate they are, and it shows you, I think they're putting not only the, the Denver Nuggets on notice, but the rest of the Western Conference on notice that when this team gets hot, if they make it out the first round, they're a force. No doubt. And talking okay. about that help that he got, Jordan Clarkson, 29 minutes off the bench, 26 points, Mike, including five three-pointers. Uh, Jordan Clarkson, we know instant offense for Quinn Snyder's unit. Last matchup here, we've got the fourth-seeded Houston Rockets, James Harden, the bearded one, and Russell Westbrook, that tandem, the highest-scoring tandem in the NBA. 
going up against the upstart Oklahoma City team. Look, Oklahoma City this year is a great story, a team that's been undervalued, overlooked. Uh, Chris Paul has really been a mentor for guys like Shea Gilgis Alexander and Dennis Schroeder, who I intend to be sixth man of the year. I just thought game one that they were lackluster. Uh, they were off. This they, they were really off, just off, Mike. Um, and it, I saw Russell Westbrook not playing, and it, I thought to myself that this is a golden opportunity for Oklahoma City to take advantage, and they didn't. They just they got blown out the gym because we said it to Mike, if the Rockets are shooting threes and they're hitting them, you have remotely no chance. And it yeah. wasn't James Harden. It was the likes of Ben McLemore, Daniel House. It was the likes of P.J. Tucker, the likes of Austin Rivers and others knocking down threes. Obviously, we know what Harden does. He does Harden-like things. But if the others are contributing, look out. With that being said, though, Originally, I had the Thunder going seven. I had the Thunder winning this in seven because I thought the Russell Westbrook um, absence would hurt them. Um, I hope that still remains. <laughs> I don't want to move uh, from that. So I'm going to stick with Oklahoma City in seven. I think Chris Paul's leadership will show down the stretch in this series. Um, but I'm, I'm going to stick with seven, but I'm not Rockets confident about six. what I saw in I game one. This, this series in six games, but it's a tough six. Oklahoma City, like you said, has been a great story this year. They've been, they've definitely overachieved in my eyes and a lot of NBA experts' eyes as well. And and um, but at the same time, this is just a juggernaut offensively that they're going against. And not only offensively, Sebi, how about that defensive effort that you saw from them, especially in the first half, early on? You know, you saw guys flying around, PJ Tucker doing his thing, Robert Covington on the perimeter doing his thing defensively, James Harden showing you that he when he wants to, when he locks in, he actually can defend it. It's, especially in the pick and roll. So this this team, this Houston Rockets team shows you that along with hitting their shots like they did on a consistent basis and along with them uh, being tenacious on the defensive side, they're, they're a force. They're a force in this league and, and can beat anybody. And, uh, you know, James Harden shot an efficient uh, uh, 12 for 22, I believe. And, you know, he was over 50% from the field and had 37 points, 11 assists. It was, a, it, was a, it was a special game from James Harden. You know, it's easier for him to create easy baskets when the rest of his team is uh, is knocking down shots. and he, it's, a, it's a nice flow within the offense. You know, when he has to force and jack up shots, that's when you start to see his shooting percentage dip down. And uh, and th- that's normally where teams give them fits. So as long as they continue to stay in the flow of the offense and James Harden doesn't have to create uh, ill-advised shots, th- this this team is special and, and they'll go far away. But I have the Rock- Rockets winning this series in six. Such an underrated part in James Harden's games, Mike. You know, people oh, yeah. tend to forget that what a great passer he is, right? We think about the IQ. I think now, I think right now, ninth and tenth year in his career, the basketball has become a chess to him. Obviously, we know what he could do with the ball in his hands, but, you know, now everything is just IQ, being able to get teammates involved and stepping up for the absence of Russell Wrestling, playing that point guard role. And we talked about it, Mike. One team that can blow this open in an AAU March Madness format, the Houston Rockets benefits the most for sure. But when we come back, as usual, our featured guest for tonight, Orlando Magic's very own Kevin Tiller III, the Sebi Podcast Radio Show, live inside the studios of WNSC.
And we are back here for our seventh segment here on the Seven Podcast Radio Show. Our next guest has a very intriguing uh, journey and story to obviously his role today. Um, a business guy that kind of panned out, took a different loophole, and is now currently the Orlando Magic's player developmental coordinator. Kevin Tiller II is with, here with us today. Kevin, I'm doing how good. You? How about yourself? We're doing well. We're doing well here. And I want to get right into it, right? I, I, I'm intending that you're in the bubble. I am. Is that I'm, right? I'm in the bubble, currently sitting in my hotel room right now watching the game. So, uh, but yes, I'm here. Right, right, right. Now, I, I, I want to know, were you with the team after their huge upset win yesterday against the Milwaukee Bucks, um, a, a game where, you know, that sent shockwaves to the nation where, you know, a lot of live people I know <laughs> <laughs> outside of us uh, picked the Orlando Magics to win that game, um, being the team that was undermanned and uh, being the underdogs that they were. Uh, how, how, what was the psyche of the team at that time? Yeah, after the game, obviously, everyone was super excited, you know, and you watched the game. I was there, watched the game. And, uh, you know, we, we, we played one of our best games. We, we played together. We, we played hard and we made shots. And so I think that helped. That obviously helped us win games. It's a good formula to winning games. So, you know, after the game, everybody was excited and it put more belief into everyone's, you know, spirit. You know, and in this bubble, you know, as we're seeing, these games aren't, you know, same as they are during the season when you have your home fans, the travel, just the, you know, the logistics, which you're comfortable with. You know, everyone's kind of a little bit out of rhythm. So, you know, it's almost a little bit like March Madness, as has been spoken before. But really, as we've seen with, you know, two seeds winning in the first day, you know, it's kind of, you know, anything goes every game. So, you know, they're excited. Obviously, we did this last year. We beat Toronto game one in Toronto. Um, so we've kind of been here before. So hopefully it carries on to game two. Now, do you think there's an advantage that obviously the games are here in Orlando and obviously the homegrown team, the Orlando Magics? Do, do you see any side of decisive matchup being where? Because I do know the Magics do also practice in uh, some of these facilities as well. Uh, as well excuse me. Um, do you think that, you know, being in a crowd with no crowd and the teammates and the players being able to have repetition in these hoops. Do you think that that's a decisive answer and advantage? Yeah, I think, I think being in your home city, we didn't have to travel, you know, home is for some 15 minutes away, you know, at max 35 minutes away. So being home, being in these same environments definitely gives an advantage. And as far as the crowd's concerned, you know, for sure, when you're, when you're an eighth seed in the playoffs, you're playing the, the best team in the league, um, having that, having no crowd and it just being mano y mano definitely helps, you know, you for any advantage, you know, for both sides. But for us, not having to go to Milwaukee and travel there and, and you know, go against the fans and, and uh, kind of deal with, you know, the atmosphere there. Being able to be in Orlando, be here with just, you know, a select few people in the gym, you know, it's great. It, it, like I said, it makes it almost like even playing field. Now it's just about, you know, the game plan that the coaches put together. I, I agree, Mike, and that's something too. You don't have to go to Milwaukee for a game five or maybe a crucial game seven. You know, it, it's it's fair game. Uh, it's a neutral site. It's something that thanks. It about, definitely Mike, is, uh, and you know, especially when you think about how Milwaukee was twenty eight and three at home. It, it, it looks like they definitely could have used their home crowd yesterday. But but Kevin definitely inside the bubble right now. You know, with that with that big win yesterday, what do you think is is some of the key factors for the Orlando Magic? You know, I love what I saw from. DJ Augustine and, and Vucevic in the pick and roll and how they were just able to decipher DJ Augustine can get a floater in the lane or he can dish it out to Vucevic who can hit the pick and pop. That that that, that game was tremendous yesterday and I love what I'm seeing from Markel Fultz as well. What do you think was the key factor 
for this uh, victory yesterday? We played team basketball. As, as cliche as that sounds, you know, sometimes, you know, in these heat of the moments, you kind of play out of character. But for us, we played sound basketball offensively. And uh, we and defensively, we gained rebound. We uh, aggressively were all on the, you know, same page, so to speak. And, you know, we had contributions from guys like Gary Clark, who's starting in place of Herd and Gordon. You know, like you spoke about Mark Hill, who played well, you know, Vucevic kind of you know, does what he's been doing, but on a bigger scale and in and, and this magnitude of a game, he really showed up. And then you had like, you know, what's the one dude, DJ Augustine, James Ennis, who provided like the spark plug from the beginning. And mm-hmm. and guys just kind of, you know, took that infectious, you know, fever and, and ran off with it. Definitely, definitely. When you think when you think about, you know, this series moving forward, obviously Milwaukee's going to make their adjustments and things of that nature. What are some things that um, Orlando can do moving forward that, you know, they, they may have had a weakness in game one where they can move forward and, and pass that to potentially help their chances to win the series? Yeah, I think continue to get contributions from everyone across the board. So not maybe next game two, not just relying on Vucevic, who had a hot game, game one. So continue to get, you know, contributions from Evan Fournier, DJ Augustin. Uh, but we continue to play, you know, team defensive basketball. That's how we're going to win these games, you know. We made a lot of shots. They missed some shots. But at the end of the day, it's going to come to, in the playoffs, things slow down and becomes more half-courted for us to stick to our game plan defensively and rebound, make shots when open, you know, and take advantage of every opportunity. You know, we, we dove on loose balls. You know, we deflected passes. You know, we were just fully connected. And, you know, mo- you know, almost most importantly is believing. You know, the game will have its runs. Obviously, Milwaukee will come out much more motivated. And they got, you know, arguably the best player in the league. So I'm sure he'll be, you know, have his team ready to play. So just understanding managing the game and understanding, hey, they're going runs. This is the best team on paper in the league. So, you know, but understand that we can still play with them as well. Right. We know how formidable Milwaukee is defensively, number one in the NBA. Um, but I, I want to uh, ask you uh, about the head coach and and being inserting uh, Kim Birch at the four and playing a lot of minutes because I, I do know the game plan is to build a wall when Giannis goes downhill. Now, for two and a half seasons, uh, the NBA hasn't figured that out. But um, if we do it, so he'll probably be league MVP again. But um, what I saw in game one is Kimbridge did a very good job. So uh, talk to me about um, what the Magic have spoke about, building a wall for Giannis and um, kind of neutralizing something. Because you're not going to stop everything, but you got to take something away. Yeah, I mean, like you said, we're talking about the best player in the league. So you're only, you're only going to do but so much to stop Giannis, LeBron, any of these other guys. On these different teams that are, you know, superior. Um, but what you can do is get, you know, put your best foot forward, which is say, hey, look, like you said, we're going to build a wall, kind of like a football, right? Like if you think a quarterback can't throw, you load the box up and say, hey, look, you're going to outthrow us. You know, you're going to beat us with your arms. So I think with that same kind of mindset with this is, you know, Giannis, we, you know, want you to shoot, you know, beat us from the outside and force your other guys when you do drive against this wall, force other guys to make shots. And not only just that, you know, we have to close out well, run guys off the line or highly contest, you know, because these are NBA players, so they will make threes, but, you know, make it difficult, you know. But at the end of the day, you're not going to stop Giannis necessarily, but make it more difficult for him. Make him want to kick out. And, you know, like I said, once, once he kicks out, you, you know, contest and hopefully run guys off the line and hopefully make guys panic and rush decisions. You've got a very interesting story because uh, we met through a Zoom meeting <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, and I want America to kind of understand and share that story as well. So you you started off with one journey, going taking the school route, doing business, if I'm not mistaken, and then 
obviously that didn't pan out and obviously you're in the industry that you are now talk to us a little bit about that and how it is in terms of moving up the ranks to where you are right now yeah first and foremost i gotta you know give credit thanks not credit but thanks to to god and, and jesus christ you know for, for just allowing me to have the experience that i've had um but for me i went to guilford college in greensboro north carolina i was a three-sport athlete um but while i was playing sports i also was a sports broadcaster cameraman um i, I were intern at disney ironically at the same hotel i'm staying at at disney i interned in 2012 um as a college program intern so i did that um, I studied in China. Like you said, a lot of business things. I interned with the radio station, interned with college, uh, University of Greensboro's uh, college athletic department. So with that being said, you know, I had a, I had a, like a, a variety of different experiences and thinking I'm going to go more the business route and, you know, work up the corporate ladder in that area. However, like most of us, we graduate college and we're still not 100% sure like that last semester. Mm-hmm. And I just said, OK, I'm going to go get a master's degree and I'm going to go back home and, and try to get it at BCU and why not try to work for the basketball team. So, you know, simultaneously applying for the school and driving down and emailing teachers because I want to give myself an advantage because it was highly competitive master's program, sports leadership at BCU. Um, I would just try to do everything I can to stay um, in front of their eyes. And then as far as the coaching staff, I just would constantly email text just to say, you know, stay afloat and stay, you know, relevant. And then I was able to, uh, get into the school, and then also was able to get a unpaid internship, basically, with the team my first year. So um, I took it, and from there on, you know, I worked there for two years. I worked with Shaka Smart and then worked with Will Wade, and then I took a job uh, as an intern with the Magic. Um, so just kind of transition from basketball, I took a job as an intern with the Magic. Fortunately, unfortunately, people were let go, um, but then the new staff came in, and I, you know, made a good impression with them, and by the grace of God, they they trusted me enough to made me a player development coordinator where I traveled with the team. I was with all the players everywhere we went. I helped them with off the court. I mean, on the court, I'm sorry, off the court logistics from driver's license to setting up dinners to like just helping them, just being like a confidant for them. Um, and then that involved into me scouting as well. So, you know, it's was, it was a group of us. It was not just me. So um, I'm very thankful for, for that. Well, that's interesting. You know, Shaka Smart, the coach of the VCU Rams that uh, Cinderella run in 2011. But one VCU uh, 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 correspondent to another VCU <laughs> correspondent in Mike. <laughs> well, that's how that's how hey, Seb, Seb, you already knew where I was going, man. You know, you know, Kevin, I actually, you know, you talking about you went to VCU and got to cover them. I actually went to Virginia Union. And, and and my last my senior year and last year these last couple of years I got an opportunity to cover VCU basketball you know just to see the environment and things of that nature so being being what I what I know about covering you know the VCU fans and you know the, being in that arena tell the tell the viewers and tell the people how electric that that arena is how electric those fans are and just being in that environment and how much of a home home court advantage the VCU Rams really have because. Me and you both know, brother. It's, it's, it gets crazy in there. There's no college experience like it, and <laughs> and VCU. It's it's no. We don't battle with no really other pro team. It's just basketball. So we keep the city lively, and fortunately, we were good. But you go to games, lines are down the street. Kids are camping out. But then when you get inside and you hear how loud the crowd is. But the biggest thing that kind of catches people's attention is our band. The band is so good. Man. That it just keeps people dancing from the t- from the layup lines to the last buzzer. So you you know you put that together with or combine that with the crowd noise on top of us winning, 
there's nothing like it. And that, right, we talked about home court advantage in the NBA. We won probably 40% of our games just because our arena, you know, like it's unbelievable. I, I had the best time of my life there for those two years. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time, every time I covered the game, I was in awe sitting right there in the crowd just listening to how crazy it was, you know, for VCU and things of that nature. But, you know, that transition from, you know, Shaka Smart to Will Wade and, you know, things of that nature, just being able to, you know, uh, to, to work with those minds. What is, what is some advice that they gave you along your journey that, that, that you could share with us? Well, the biggest thing, as cliche as it sounds, what, what they showed me, not even necessarily with words, but with actions, right. is work ethic. You know, those guys work. And I know, like, it's kind of, you know, expected in sports. So if you want to be good, you work. But those guys, it is basketball is life, you know, it's, you know, the whole saying. But that is true. Basketball is from early mornings to late nights every day, and everything is a competition. And I, I, I learned how to work from them and just being overly dedicated to what you want to do. But one of the best lessons I would say to help me with being with the players at VCU and then also in the NBA was – I remember we were losing maybe on a two-game, three-game losing streak at VCU, and which is uncommon. And I remember after practice, Coach Smart came up to me and says, Kevin, you know, we're losing games. And and, and the first thought is coaches got to go back into the their offices and work on the computer and figure out the next scheme or what we're missing or any of the analytics. And he said, the most important thing is connecting with those players. At the end of the day, we can drop all these different things, but if we don't connect with our players and we don't build with our players and we don't spend time with them, then none of this stuff matters. And since he told me that, I always remembered the most important thing in any of this stuff in sports, in my opinion, is building with these players and making them feel like they are the most important, you know, in the organization, whether it be college or whether it be um, NBA profession, uh, because these guys are, these guys need people to invest in them. And that's where I take joy in my job now. No doubt. No, no doubt, doubt there, for sure. Um, you got a chance to travel with the team um, to, to, to obviously took the USA basketball experience. Um, talk to us about that experience, um, being able to obviously be around some of the top tier head coaches around the NBA and, and being around them. What are some things that you've taken from them in, in your journey as well or that you've taken uh, to the franchise, the Orlando Magic? Yeah, I, yeah, just helping out with just the, the, the level of intelligence in, in basketball. You know, you, you soak up how much, how smart people are in basketball and how innovative they are and I just enjoy listening and watching like the attention to detail which is something that's critical when you get to this level because players are outside of the top top players everybody's kind of in a similar uh, talent level so now it's about like the skill level as we're watching the playoffs now you know it's all about like skills about attention to detail because every little detail matters um, so for me being able to learn and being around those guys Helps tell me translate to now. So watching our coach Steve Clifford, who's amazing at attention to detail, who knows every stat, every data, overly prepared. You just see why why some coaches and why some players or why even some business people are are really good at what they do. And it's just the amount of work, attention to detail, and just the intelligence level of just constantly reading, learning um, about basketball. Who? What are some of the players you got a chance to work with or or kind of develop down there? At US, USA. Yeah, USA, right. So I was more in a, like a hands-off role, so I had more like a step-back watch um, like kind of opportunity. So being able to watch all the top guys, though, like, you know, you can you think of. Um, but also, I know we had John Janazi go up there. So watching him and kind of watching how his game early in his career kind of translate and grow, um, it, it was just special to kind of watch guys. The early guys, you know, from Trey Youngs to John Janazi, kind of watching them grow has been um, 
it was super, you know, cool for me. No doubt. Speaking of Jonathan Isaac, that's somebody I'm very close with. Um, most people don't know, uh, uh, Kev, this is a guy that his faith is above everything. You know what I'm saying? Highly recruited from a Florida State six overall by the Orlando Magic a few years ago, but serving a God and obviously that's a focal point in his life and um, obviously the tragic that happened a few days ago and I know you're very close with Jonathan as well off the court um, talk to us about that and where his stance because I, I think that was you know kind of derogative towards the audience um, you know metrics when they saw that uh, obviously it's a young man that didn't take the stand and, and Neil he obviously stood by what he believes um, talk to us about that and and why all of the you know, antics and all the bickering happened from the media. Well, for Jonathan is a super cerebral person, reads a lot, studies a lot, likes to know the right answer. Um, I love to debate him because they're very, you know, uh, healthy debates. And yes, you're right. Jonathan's into his, his faith. That's how we connected. We went to church together. We prayed together, right. read Bible scriptures together. Um, as right. far as the, um, the anthem and his, you know, kind of his own, what he wanted to do. I, I thought it was great for him in terms of him being his own man. And that's one thing that Jonathan Isaac is, is, he, is he's his own man. He doesn't just go with the crowd because it's what everyone else is doing. He thinks things through. He processes. He goes through it. Yeah, definitely there for sure. How sad that is. It's, it's yeah. not the same leg, but it's similar injuries. You were there at, at that time, I'm assuming, correct? Yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely there for sure. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, that injury had to hurt. And I, and I know – you know, it it was a lot of um, backlash in, you know, certain parts of the media. It, it was a lot of negative backlash to saying that, you know, that's, that him, his injury was karma for not standing for the anthem. What do you have to say to, to people like that that had that, that, that negative um, comments to possibly say towards Jonathan Isaac, that were, which happened there? Because it's, it's disgusting in my opinion. Yeah, you know, people are going to criticize whatever and find some, you know, karma or whatever you want to find how things connected that that was a freak accident you know it, right. I, it obviously had nothing to do with him not kneeling you know it's just a simple basketball play that we see every year that guys make um and he just unfortunately stepped the wrong way and you know it is what it is but no nah, I, I i you got to just sometimes you got to ignore certain things that just you know just blatantly just trying to just criticize or demean anything that someone's trying to do and then that's kind of what he does and that's you know also what i do when i hear things like that right Right, definitely there for sure. Um, talk to us about some of the best players that, that if you've got a chance to work with with the Magic. Obviously, you're the lead role of the developmental coordinator. I think you're right now this season and moving on forward of the future of the Magic is is hands on the guys like Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bamba, Markel Fultz, and his development. Talk to us about that and those key players. Yes, like so you mentioned Markel. Markel's made tremendous strides this year. Super uberly talented. Guy who's who's super smart, who doesn't even know how good he is, and he's still really young, but a big point guard that can get in the lane when he wants to, super creative with passes, thinks things through, but takes his time, very unselfish, and uh, I think he can he can score in bunches, you know, very good mid range finishing at the rim, uh, but his game's evolving, you know, he's he's continuing to evolve and he's young. Jonathan Isaac arguably would have been first team All Defense if not in the running for player Defensive Player of the Year, but his instincts. And is being able to move versatile. He's exactly what the league is looking for. Guys that can be able to cover so much ground, guard multiple positions, be able to affect the game in multiple ways and not just scoring. So he can block shots, get steals, 
Dalvin loose balls, get rebounds, dunk, you know, make an open shot. You know, those are guys that are, are franchise changing. You know, then you got Aaron Gordon, who's big body, who's not scared to defend anybody or go against anybody, super competitive, loves the game of basketball so much, like lives, breathes, and eat basketball. And a guy who just wants to be the best he can be is going to push himself to be the best he can be. And then you got Mobamba continuing to develop, continue to get used to the NBA game. It's, you know, such a transition for sometimes bigs, it takes a little while coming from college, learn the schemes, kind of learn who they are, and then he's still growing, you know. So watching his development will be, you know, great. I can't wait to watch how he continues to grow and prosper. Um, but, you know, just kind of looking forward to that, you know. And and those guys, like you said, are core, you know, but it's exciting for, for Orlando. Exciting, no doubt. Yeah. Kevin Tilly here on the hotline with us. Mike, go ahead. Yeah, Steve, Steve, Steve Clifford and what he's done with this team. This this seems like an egoless basketball team. You know, when you look at from the star players, the best players, Vucevic, you know, the, I don't want to say – I don't want to say no player has an ego because you don't get to this level without having an ego. But it's not an ego that's detrimental to the, to the cohesive unit and the, the overall goal of the team. And you see that with the Orlando Magic. How – with being that so with the development of these young players coming up and the experience that this team is starting to get in the playoffs in the first round going to get some of these top teams what what's the what's the ceiling for this team in the future man can can this team be a legitimate threat in the eastern conference for sure the sky's the limit and 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 adding supplemental parts to adding to this core um it's only going to take us even higher i think we have young guys with uber talent that that are still finding themselves and that's where we kind of are, where we have guys that are finding themselves, finding themselves as men, finding themselves in the league, and finding themselves as players. But the little, almost like naive about them is what's exciting because once they realize, oh, I can do this or I'm ready to take off in this area, I mean, sky's the limit. Like I said, and then adding supplemental players or continue to develop other players, you know, and Boots continue to take strides. Like I said, Markel, Evan Fournier, Aaron Gordon. You know, we also got like guys like Wesley Wundu, Melvin Frazier, and then we have, you know, um, like you know, Kim Birch, who's who all provide energy, and it's what we need. Like, like you said, we we we're a team that's like you know has no ego. We don't have like a bona fide superstar on our team. So guys want to play together. Guys want to win. And at the end of the day, I think that was great to watch yesterday and almost inspiring for the city. Was you know, I t- you know, the Magic want to win, and and you know, playing team basketball offensively and defensively will help us go further than we can imagine. Absolutely, no doubt about that. Yeah, so no doubt about that for sure. When you're under man and you're underestimated and, you know, when you play live and free, there's a lot of things that not a lot of people think of you. You're playing with house money. But when we come back, I want to, you know, we're probably going to do something a little bit unconventional with you. We're going to play a little game, Kev. Uh, (laughs) It's it's something that we do with uh, some of our guests here. So when we come back, we'll go ahead and do that with you as well. We talked in our initial preamble on that last segment about doing an activity. This is something that we do, Mike, um, uh, Kev, that as one of our guests, kind of get a feel for the personality of some of our guests and off of sports. You know, obviously we have lives outside of sports, so <laughs> we try to get um, to talk interpersonal relations and conversations with them as well. So it's a pretty simple game, which is going to ask you a few questions and different scenarios, and we'll go ahead and uh, give us a, a response to them and and kind of have some dialogue with that. Okay. All right. Awesome. So, 
our, our first question here is if you were the GM of the Orlando Magics and you can draft any current top five or top 10 player um, that is in a free agent, that would be in a free agency market right now, who would that player be? You mean any player in the league or the players right. are going to be free agents this summer? The free agents this summer, right. Oh, I mean, Anthony, Anthony Davis. He'll be the top free agent this summer. So be Anthony, Anthony Davis. Davis. So, uh, for the Orlando Magic. So, why, why would that be? Why would that be? Yeah. Oh, well, one, because he's, like you said, if it's this summer, if you're saying just this summer, I mean, he's the best He's the best player, you know, about all the props. Yeah, yeah, and, and secondly, I mean, these are going to be the best power forward in the league, you know, just because he can shoot inside, outside, dunk, athletic, smart. I mean, you name it. So you're envisioning an Anthony Davis and a Vucevic uh, a tandem. That, <laughs> that, 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 that'd be special, right? That'd um, be special. That, 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 that'd be special in Orlando. Okay. All right, cool. What, what's the current music right now or album that you're, that you're listening to that you got on repeat or something? You know, I I like uh I like Lil Baby. You know, I, I like Lil okay. Baby. I, I forgot the uh, album is called, but I've been listening to it a lot. But it's not as most recent. I think it's the one before. But I like my I've, turn. Yes, yes. My turn. Yes, yep. yes, yes. So I've been listening oh, to it a lot. So I, I, I like I like Lil Baby right now. Yeah, baby. Yeah, they they all the all the babies right now are seem to be hot, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the baby. <laughs> all the babies seem to be hot right now. Exactly. So any particular track that that you like? In particular, uh, not all of them. All of them. I just, I just, you know, I just kind of like. I was kind of telling my friend, I was like, I just, you know, I like the way the guy flows, and you know, I, I just like listening to his music. So it's good to listen to, you know, when you're working out or you know, just kind of bus rides or car rides. You know, good music. Good music. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. Any are there any are there any good books that you are currently reading or have read recently uh, in the past? Chop wood, carry water. I recommend everyone read that book if you haven't. Chop wood, carry water. Okay. Who's the author? Excuse me. Who's the author? The author is Joshua Medcalf. Okay. Joshua Medcalf. Shop would carry water. Okay. What's a what's a, what, what, uh, a a brief review of that? What is what is that about? So basically, it's about uh, it's like a story, but a story. The lesson in the story is you know we all have to do these mundane tasks where it's kind of boring and and, and no instant gratification reward. However, you continue to do the same process every day. You'll get to where you want to go without skipping steps. And so basically the chop with carry water means no matter what, every day, do that same task every day till you get to where you want to be. And then when you get there, continue to do that. So if that's every morning I got to wake up and, for example, in this bubble right now, I wake up early in the morning and I have to fill up the arenas because I'm helping with the league office because I'm local. Fill up the arenas and the hotels with hand sanitizers and wipes. Now, is it the most glamorous? No. And, but it's every day, same thing. Now, you can skip steps and miss something, and then somebody will call and report it or say they need this. Or you can wake up every day, same time, and do the same thing every day. You know, we're not looking for a reward. We're not looking for the end goal, but just continue to be good at what you do every day. So I just think it's pretty pertinent to people's, you know, who's trying to just get to the next step, but it's just, like, dragging itself. All right. Very, very, very dope. Who are you okay. Who are your top five players to watch in the NBA right now? Whew. Top five players to watch in no order. No, no order. order. Yep. No order. Damon Lillard, uh, James Harden, um, Jason Tatum, gotcha. Devin Booker, and uh, who my fifth, my fifth, my fifth, my fifth person. 
Um, I just had this in my head. Uh, oh, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. So he <laughs> like he, he like the bucket getters, Mike. He like yeah, the for sure, yeah. for sure. At, he, at, the hey, at the end of the day, that's <laughs> what it takes. At the end of the day, you need those guys that's gonna go get you a bucket. At the end of the day, Bill Russell he, said he, it best a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He he liked the bucket getters. Got to go get the bucket. Booker, KD, Tatum, Harden, James. Exactly. Mike, Mike, and I spoke about uh, Damian right now. I, I feel like he's the hottest plant, player right now on planet Earth. Uh, what's your What's your thoughts on that? Um, and and what he's doing right now to keep his team afloat and potentially uh, can have a, a eight seed be the one seed. Well, he's he's highly confident, and he's been confident the entire year. And so when you your best player is that confident and that eager, like arrogantly confident, it, it 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 breathes into other players. And so Damian's been doing this for the last couple of years. And sometimes it gets overshadowed by being in Portland or the bigger name markets get more of the media recognition. But Dane's been the same player who's been making these shots. I mean, remember, he he uh, hit the game with a shot against Houston when they had James Harden, uh, Dwight Howard. He hit the game with a shot and then he hit the game with a shot, obviously, last year against OKC. So he's not he's always been hitting big shots. He's always believed in himself. He's always been a, a dog, so to speak. Um, so right, what he's doing to those who've watched you know, his game or a fan of his game, it doesn't surprise you. If anything, you're glad he's being recognized by the masses. No, dog, very underappreciated for sure. You seem like a pretty uh, relaxed and, and nonchalant guy um, off the court and stuff. What are some of your hobbies and, and things to do outside of basketball on your spare time? Yeah, I like to read. I like to work out. Um, I take a lot of walks. Um, so that, that for me, uh, it's been really well. And it's funny, actually, honestly, I like eating cookies. So I eat, I make, when I'm at home, I bake cookies <laughs> okay. every day. And here I have to scramble around and find cookies. But, you know, I'm a, like you said, I'm a pretty chill, laid back dude. I just, you know, try not to take life too seriously and just, you know, just enjoy. I, I, I like to pray a lot, you know, talk to the Lord. So, you know, I'm just very thankful right now, man. Yeah, very thankful for that for sure. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, definitely. What are, what are some of your, outside of the cookies, what have been some of your favorite snacks to snack on during this time, during this COVID and everything? Favorite snacks? You know, I'm trying to be healthy, so I'll say bananas. Have been good, um, but man, I, I I can't lie to you. I I wasn't as healthy as far as the snacks is concerned because I'm a big cookie guy. So every night, everyone who knows Kevin says, you know, Kevin loves his cookies. I make those every night. You know, I've been doing that since I was ninth grade. You know, I've been doing so. What, what, what cookies are we talking? We talking the good the good yum yums, the chocolate chip ones, or are we talking like the oatmeal raisins? No, just chocolate chip, just only soft chocolate chip. They have to be extremely soft. You know, that's that's all I eat. Soft chocolate chips, so nothing fancy or super creative. Soft chocolate chip cookies. I'm an oatmeal raisin and macadamia guy. I don't, I don't know, Mike. Uh, <laughs> that's my style. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm on more chocolate chip myself, but outside of that, what what are some TV shows that you've been been watching uh, lately, or some some good movies, anything like that? Ah, uh, you know, so I. I actually started getting to, and, and I'm, of course, not remember any of the names of these movies, but <laughs> in the Netflix section uh, under the um, thriller, they have great movies. I think one is called See In Your Eyes, Through Your Eyes. I cannot remember, of course. Mm. But if you just go in that thriller section, they have great movies that like a plot twist that I like love. I think one is called The Therapist, I think it's called. Oh, uh, man, like just in that section, they have great movies that like, you think it's one ending, there's going to be another. And I just have fell in love with those. Any, uh, you know, the artists, I mean, not the artists, the actors or actresses in there? I don't know. They're all, like, not super well-known, you know, uh, actors, actresses. That, you know, that's what kind of even makes it more, you know, interesting. They're, no, yes, they're not kind of no name in this, you know, in some respect. 
Right. Yeah, definitely that for sure. Lastly, here before we got you to leave, um, your eventual NBA finals. What what are you seeing from e- either conference? What are you seeing right now? Um, who's gonna make it out? I think a Clippers Toronto. I think bearing any injuries. Um, I think Clippers Toronto. I think Toronto's wow. playing really really well. They uh they've been there before. Um, they they're playing tremendous you know tremendous good basketball defensively. They have the the players. They have the stars. Kyle Lowry's the head of the snake, you know, and obviously the Clippers have who they have. And, you know, at the end of the day, like we talked about, they got shot makers. And if Kawhi's off, Paul, Paul George is on, you know, so they got guys that, and they have good complimentary pieces, Patrick Beverly, Montrose Harrell, you know, you know, the Morris, you know, they have good guys that can help uplift or like keep, you know, catch the slack when those guys aren't having the best night. So I think over a seven game series, it'll be hard to beat either one of those teams. I mean, Toronto just has the will to win. And it's just impressive to watch them as I'm watching them play Brooklyn and Brooklyn's fighting. But throughout the season, Toronto has a will to win that takes them over the top when maybe they're not the most skilled on the court. Or even when they're out of injuries, when Gasol's out or Kyle's out, you know, or uh, Fred's out. You know, they have other guys that come in and just have a will to win. They play so free. They play fast. They play aggressive, you know, and that stuff that stuff wins games. Yeah. Can you imagine NBA final headlines? Um, Kawhi versus his former I'm team. I'm telling you. And then, <laughs> and I'm then telling that'd you. be a great matchup. Yeah, that would be a great matchup here. Um, I, I think that that's pretty good for us, man. That wraps it up for you guys. It's, it's been a pleasure um, having you on and, and being able to um, enlighten us with some Orlando Magic stuff. Um, we'll, for sure, if you guys want to stay connected with Kevin, with all the Orlando Magic's um, key media, key news and stuff, Stay connected with Kevin. We'll have this description information below for you guys. And um, you can always stay locked in here on the Sevy Podcast. Kevin, it was, a, Kevin it was a pleasure having you, man. Peace and love and good luck to you in the future, man. Thank you all. Thank you all. That was a great conversation that we had, Mike, uh, when you talk about Kevin Tiller um, in his role. Um, it, it's it's great leaders like that. And obviously from an institution that you so dearly love, Mike, I know that makes you really proud. Yeah, I was glad we was able to share that connection with the, you know, the VC covering VCU basketball and the experience that you get at, you know, the Seagull Center and being in downtown Richmond. But, um, you know, outside of that, he, he seems like a very bright brother that, that came up the, the, the right way. And, um, you know, he had to earn this. He had to earn everything he's gotten from the ground up. And uh, a salute to him, man. For real. Yeah, salute to him for real. Um, and speaking of brothers, uh, we big news this week, Mike. Our first ever black president in the NFL. Um, and obviously in an area that you know so well, in the DMV area. The Washington Redskins making headlines this year in the NFL. Jason Wright becomes the first black African-American in that role in office there for sure. Uh, Mike, what was your thoughts on that? Yeah, man, yeah, my thoughts was heavy. My thoughts were, you know, well, you know, 100 years in the NFL, what took us so long? And, you know, you know, we love to see milestones there, but you also have to raise the eyebrow of what took us so long and why has it been like this? But, you know, one thing for, for, for Jason, for Wright, he, he's, he's, he's very adamant about, you know, having the position that, you know, regardless of the color of my skin or my nationality, I was the most qualified for the job. I was the one that was, you know, 
chosen for this job because, you know, my resume spoke for itself and the work that I put in, I deserve to be to get this moment. And uh, I think that resonates mostly with me because, you know, he's not looking at it from that perspective, from the perspective of, oh, the color of my skin and things of that nature. He's looking at it from the perspective of, oh, I I just became the, you know, the, the GM of a NFL football team. And that's the biggest part right here. And he's looking, he's looking forward to the opportunity. Um, the Washington, Washington, Washington football team, they're, they're definitely, they're definitely making some moves in the offseason outside of the Darius Geist situation, uh, which was, which was, um, you know, a, a gut wrench to, to their, to their team. It, uh, you could, you could say the Redskins have been one of the top teams in the league as far as the moves they made this offseason. And this is what, this is one key example of it. Yes, no doubt. Gary Geist had a, such a lot of promise. Got a chance to see him at LSU. Um, yeah, nothing but the best for the brother there. <clears throat> And also for Kevin Tiller as the Magic uh, look to make, hopefully, a respectful run in the bubble there for sure. But you're right, Mike. Um, I, I think the media's perspective and connotation on all these things is, um, you know, why does it have to be because, oh, he's the first black African-American, we have to make headliners on that. Rightfully so, but he was, the, he was qualified for it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The man was qualified for it, and he got the job. And, you know, you got to give credit where it's due. I, they're, they're making it so much of a, a, a racial thing or a, 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 a color thing where it's just, you know, the man was qualified for it. He got the job and he got the position that he wanted and got it done. And I got to agree with you, Mike, from Ron Rivera uh, to bringing guys into Alex Smith bringing back this year. So we expect a very, very competitive quarterback a uh, uh, controversy in training camp along with young Dwayne Haskins to having other pieces back to potentially one of the more formidable front sevens in the NFL. You talk about five first rounders um, in the top five uh, picks. And so this, the Washington football team is a team to potentially watch next year and also down the line for the next five years. They definitely are. And it starts up top. And then that's one of the key parts that they got situated and it's just trickled down to everybody else. And we'll see how it, how it trickles on, on the field as far as the players. No doubt, no doubt there for sure as well. Um, top news that's going on in the DMV area, Mike. Oh yeah, definitely, man. You know, you had the, uh, my capitals, we survived the elimination against New York. You know, they've dominated the first weekend. The first three games of this series, seven, you know, they went up 3-0 on us. But we showed grit, and we hung tough, and we got a 3-2 victory yesterday. And, you know, I'm not going to lie to you, Sevy. You, you rarely ever, ever, if ever, have seen a team come back from 3-0. But I'm telling you right now, this this Capitals team is very poised to possibly do that. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how it, how it comes. I know one thing. If we go out to, the, to New York, we, we're not going to go out easy. New York is going to have to take us out. And, uh, you know, the Nationals, they've been up and down. They won a couple of games they consistently. And, Sebi, I'm not going to lie to you, my mystics have fallen all the way off the map. You know, you know, early in the season when you start off good, everything is all well. But then you have a situation where our depth is really showing and we, we haven't won a game in a, in a long time. And, you know, missing Deladon, missing Latoya Sanders, missing Natasha Cloud, at some point in time when you're missing those those players, it's going to show, especially with a team, with, uh, with the league where – they they literally watched the Mystics get dominated, uh, dominate teams for the last couple of years on their championship runs to the finals. 
And so teams were motivated to come back at them, and they have a chip on their shoulder every time they play the Mystics, and you can see it. So that that's the the early news in the DMV. It's a lot, it's a lot going on right now, but um, you know, hopefully we can prevail and, and pull through. There's a lot going on in DMV, but the world's eyes and stage is set in my hometown in Orlando, where we've got the NBA playoffs that are going on right now, um, and uh, looking forward right now, third quarter of the Celtics game that's going on right now. We've got. Obviously, the Clippers and Mavs later on. Mike, it's been a pleasure, man. Let's do this till next time. Always, brother. Hey, everyone. We're excited just as much as you guys tonight if you enjoyed this show. And frankly, even some of our other episodes as well. If you want to show your appreciation for the show, ensure that you leave us a rating and a review in our iTunes and Spotify. And remember, you can stay locked in here and connected. Sebupodcast.info link for the latest news articles, interviews, and much more. And remember, wherever you're listening on air or online, the Sebi Podcast is wherever you go.